0: We're looking for an underlying cause that is physical, but I think so many of us don't ever even think about going beneath that to find out what might have been the emotion or the situation or the fear or the broken past relationship or the trauma as a child, having an abusive alcoholic father, or whatever it might've been that could have led to the gallbladder needing to be out in the first place. podcast today. I've got a special guest and a super cool treat for you. Meredith O'Hanley is on. She is a fertility expert extraordinaire. She's inside my clinical academy group and always is such a valuable contributor there. She loves just giving little tips and tricks, and I always learn something from her. So I thought she was a perfect person to have on the podcast. We're going to be talking about her business, her practice, how she does things. And there's always some new things that you can learn. I think you're going to love this interview. And about halfway through, She drops a serious nugget. You're not going to want to miss it. Here's my interview with Meredith. Well, hey, Meredith, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, my gosh. So Meredith is part of Clinical Academy. That's the membership that I have for clinicians in the wellness, functional medicine, alternative, holistic, whatever space you want to call all of those words. And that was actually how you and I kind of met. And so Meredith would come on our monthly Q&A calls and she'd pipe up with some little nugget of wisdom. I was like, <laughs> dang girl, that was good. Thank and you. so, yeah, so then we just kind of started to, you know, have more conversation. We started to interact and I'm kind of a big, huge fan of your work. Thank you so much. I kind of am. So <laughs> Tell everyone who's listening, let's just give them a little bit of background. What is your specialty? And then how did you end up there? What's your story?
1: My specialty is fertility enhancement and reproductive therapy. Ooh, nice. Yes. It's a multifaceted, multifactorial field that I just have such tremendous and can really relate and identify with a lot of the feelings that a woman is navigating through, it's a really tough terrain. So my story often lends a lot of hope, especially the age group 40 and over.
0: Oh, so later in life, the high risk pregnancy. Yes, yes,
1: yes. I had had a miscarriage at 38 that Mm -hmm. resulted in a massive hemorrhage. I had to have a surgery, leaving me precariously close to a blood transfusion. And then couldn't get pregnant for a year. And when I did, I lost that pregnancy as well. But the really, truly part of the story I tell that gives hope with some things are really just divine timing.
0: Yeah, so true.
1: They truly are. And this could be a whole nother
0: conversation. Yeah, yeah.
1: It could. But for me, those two losses ended up being blessings, truly. Because when I was five months pregnant with my now 10-year-old, my former husband had a near fatal massive heart attack. Mm. And wow. so that really has what deepened my passion and empathy and compassion for those that are struggling with fertility because I have been in those shoes yeah. across a number of you know paths. So
0: you found your space. You love did. fertility work. You love working with these mothers. So what has been I'll say the biggest challenge that you've faced in the space of working with fertility, because I think all of us, you know, as clinicians, and we also have to be the business owner side, but on the clinical side, what is the biggest challenge that you've faced that you've really had to work hard to overcome? Maybe it's like expectations on the patient side. Maybe it's, you know, conventional medicine. What's the big thing that you stub your toe on or the big challenge that you've had to face and overcome? Honestly, I have to say the validity
1: of one's biochemistry, like nutritional work, yeah. and I also do manual therapy, visceral manipulation, where there's actually clinical data and trying to communicate the validity of how effective mobilization of the organs can be, just it doesn't connect.
0: So would you say that that's not necessarily your obstacle, but it's an obstacle that you're having to overcome with the people that you're working with, as far as helping them understand the validity of visceral work and its impact on fertility, as well as the impact of nutrition, food, diet, all of those things. on So that's been where you stubbed your toes, so to speak. How have you overcome Educating your patients about that. And what was your strategy to be able to do that in a way that patients had that aha moment? They're like, oh, I get it. Because I think we all deal with that, right? We're working with people. People just sometimes get in their head. They got Dr. Google educated.
1: Yes, yes. And that's the problem. Um, Really is getting back to basics. Hmm. Getting back to basics. Feeding your body on a regular schedule. And also you want to have a child your child's not going to eat like once a day, twice yeah, right. a day. exactly. So, you know, lifestyle, like drinking, that's a big one that yeah. informing patients that alcohol is really a toxin to the body and you're not going to be drinking. I mean, I like, think you would not be drinking while you, yeah. drink. but yeah. so
0: practice now what you want to create. Ooh, that's Ooh. so good. That's so good. Especially as it has to do with fertility practice now. What you what, want to create. What you, like, treat yourself like you're already pregnant. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to manifest. So really you're working then in the mindset piece.
1: Yes. And mindset. And I love, real quick, part of the reason why I love you so much is that you teach in pictures, yeah, Illust- illustrations. In pictures. Mm-hmm. And so having a woman or a couple like let go, which are big trigger words, of the outcome, the dream. dream,
0: the, yes. the letting,
1: aspiration, yeah. Yes, letting go, that's a big one. And so I use an illustration, like how do we let go? Let's start there. How does one let go? When somebody says, why don't you all just let go of that? How do you do
0: that? What does that
1: mean? Yeah. Yeah. So what I teach, anyone that's worked with me, any of my ladies has worked with me, are familiar, I've brought this down, is a straw. Okay, let's hear it. I'm ready. Okay, so this is a tool that I teach with a straw. So with a straw, you can, you know, blow through it. You can get liquid through it. But if you pinch it, there's no flow. Mm. So that's where I tell my ladies, like, you need to let go for flow. We want this baby to flow to you. If you got your grip on life so tight that you're not letting life flow,
0: it's going to take a lot longer. That's such a great analogy. You can work with that on any level with any kind of condition. Yes.
1: I'm a very, like, because we humans are tactile, we are kinesthetic, we're tangible. So that's a tool that when I'll say one of my women, like when they're really struggling, let go of the straw, let go for flow, let go for flow. It's so good. Because they can touch it like while we're on it. Another tool. Because with fertility the emotional piece, the mental piece, the psychological piece is really the big loom with somebody. Yeah. It's the it's anxiety, the fear. like yeah. So that is where I think patients really need the most help and support is with their heart and their mind. So giving them tools, like letting go for flow, keeping them present in the here and now, all we have is today. We can work on what you can eat today, what you can drink today. You can move your body today. We stay in today. So that is a great tool. Or if any practitioner is needing to help a patient with letting go of something, another tool I use with fertility is, I brought a broader prop down, is a wish lantern. Oh, I love those. And when you commit, like I will encourage a patient of mine, we're going to commit to letting go of all those darts of doubt in your mind, the fear, the anxiety, the what ifs, the, you light that lantern and you let it go. You watch it
0: go. It's so powerful. The body is so powerful. When we get the mind aligned with the mind has to lead the way. And then the body follows The reason. There's a reason that the head's on the top, because it's what we think about that we bring about. And it's no different in the body. And I love that you set the expectation up front with them to say, we're going to change the way that you think we're going to let go for flow. We're going to put this in a wish lantern and we're going to send it away so that the mind then begins to get clear so that the body then can follow. But I think the trap, and this is my perspective. I mean, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say, But I think the trap sometimes for all of us in this alternative functional medicine, non-functional medicine, because I hate the term space, is that we see a symptom, we give a tablet or a pill or whatever, right? We see the symptom like, oh, you're bloated, here, take this. Oh, well, maybe there's more to it. Maybe we need to get them, instead of saying all the time, I'm so bloated or I'm so fat or I'm so tired or whatever the symptom is, they're so constricted to your point, in the way that they think that maybe unlocking the mind should be where we need to go first.
1: Yes, yeah, getting
0: under it. Yeah. When you have someone come in then, knowing that you're going to have more of those mindset kind of conversations. And I really, I mean, I love this. I think it's so valid for us. When you have those mindset conversations, let's talk about like how you bring someone in. What is it in your intake form, or maybe your initial conversation with them, where you know... Oh boy, we got to work on the brain, mind, the way that you're thinking about your healing process first. Where do you fit that in, in your whole process?
1: Well, in my, I have a very comprehensive intake form. I cover food, I cover lifestyle, I cover the relationship with food. And I have questions in my fertility and reproductive wellness form is, what are your biggest struggles and obstacles? Period. I want to know you like what are your top
0: five fears? Give me an example. I'm curious. Like if you ask a fertility patient, you know, what are your biggest obstacles? What are your top five biggest obstacles? What kinds of things do they say?
1: Not achieving my personal goals, losing a loved one, not ever becoming a mother. It varies. Sometimes I don't get anything, but losing my health,
0: So it could be something very specific, very personal that they are perceiving as an obstacle. How do you use those? Let me ask the question. How do you use them in helping to shift their mindset? Does that play a role or is this just kind of background knowledge for you?
1: I do feel it plays a role because if there is unresolved trauma or unresolved internal conflict, that is occupying space in the womb space. Like it's creating, it's still a thing that's occupying space. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have unresolved trauma from a past relationship, which I have seen, or death of a loved one, which I've seen, and you're emotionally hanging on to, and I don't mean to sound insensitive, but if you're holding on to, letting go for flow, you're holding on, then there's not that space available. There's not a wholeness there. There's not a healing there. There's like a fracture. There's a splinter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The structure becomes weak. Something's weak. It's not stable and strong. Because we have something else that's coming in that's taken over or not taken over, but occupying space, weakening the integrity of the being or the body. The
1: being. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what I excavate, I dig deeper and like to know more about your whole constitution, emotionally, psychologically, physically, not just about fertility,
0: like making a baby. So when we talk about getting to the root cause, you know, right, that's the term we always use, right? Yeah. So we say we're going to get to the root cause. What many of us do is we think, okay, well, did you have mono? Did you ever have food poisoning? We were always like looking for some something. But the looking that we do is almost always, I would say, on a very physical level. Yeah. We're looking for an underlying cause that has some kind of physiologic anchor. Or an origin, right? You got this disease, you had strep throat every year as a child. So now we know that we have to go down this road. Or, you know, you had bypass surgery. And so now you have malabsorption, you know, on steroids, or your gallbladder's gone. We're looking for an underlying cause that is physical, but I think so many of us don't ever even think about going beneath that to find out. What might have been the emotion or the situation or the fear or the broken past relationship or the trauma as a child being, you know, having an abusive alcoholic father or whatever it might have been that could have led to the gallbladder needing to be out in the first place.
1: Right. That expression, the body's expression of what's underneath. You know what I'm trying to say? Like Ah. The body creates a dis-ease, a physical expression of the
0: root cause of an emotional, mental, psychological- This is so good. So could you just keep talking about this? Cause I really love this conversation. So how do you get deeper? How do you go there? People sometimes don't want you. Like I got my coat zipped up tight. I don't want you knowing anything about me. How do you get there with them? How do you do
1: that? Oh, I mean, a lot of it depends on what they tell me. Oh, true. So it's really per patient navigating, like getting to know the person, like where they start to shut down, where they manifesting stress?
0: So how you do you know, get them to feel safe? Because that's part of it too, with any clinician, right? The practitioner-client relationship, there has to be a feeling of safety and trust. They have to know that they trust you. So I'm brand new. I'm an infertility patient. I fill out all your quackamamie intake form. I'm like filling it out. She's like asking me about my you know, traumas and whatever. I'm like, I'm not here for trauma. Thank you very much. I just want to get pregnant. Okay, fine. Here we go. And I come in. And I got a hairy eyebrow raised and I'm looking at you like, okay, I want to get pregnant. You say you can help me, but what does all that other stuff have to do with anything? Give me the pills. Tell me what I need to take. And let's get this train on the road. I want to be pregnant in three months.
1: So I am extremely pro-patient. I tell them straight up front, I am here to serve you and to help you. And if you feel that I am not a match for you, then I'm going to help you find someone that is. I'm about you, not about me. Yep, I care absolutely. about you. I'm here to serve you. So just being really honest that, you know, I may not be a fit or an alignment for every person. Somebody might just want that, you know, the metaphor route <laughs> yeah. and I support work. them. Yeah. Yeah. They might gravitate to a pill, a knife or a needle. Like, yeah, I support you. Like I have a couple of present situations right now with clients that I support you, but no. And, and I tell them it's important that you feel safe with your practitioner that you feel trust. And I'm very upfront. Please tell me at any time if you're not comfortable with my communicating style because I tend to get very excitable and talk, you know, very, yeah. very fast. you yeah. know, ask questions, stop me, slow me down. I want them to feel like a very parallel relationship, not this, you know, I'm the practitioner and you're here to see me. And oh, good. this like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't it's, like that either. As non-clinical, if you will, as possible. Very peaceful, very comfortable. I tell them it is my mission to make this journey that you've been on that most of the time when somebody reaches me, they're pretty weary. They're sad. They're in some stage of grief from-
0: Loss of pregnancy or lack of infertility after trying Mm -hmm. for five years
1: or whatever. Yes. So I want to make this as comfortable, enjoyable, peaceful, loving, caring, compassionate, empathetic as humanly possible.
0: So then how do you get to, I'm just really curious about this, the digging beneath what's said. You know, like I talked about like, oh, well, you had Epstein-Barr, you had mono, you had strep throat as a kid, or you had bypass surgery. Those are all the physical, tangible, you know, things we can kind of touch and feel and measure, right? It's concrete. What you're doing is you're getting in and you're digging a little deeper. Now understand that with fertility, it's not a stretch for anybody to realize that there's emotional underpinnings because it's an emotional journey. It's an emotional journey for women and for their spouses. But how do you get them? You talked about the straw, right? Yeah, They're pinching the straw. So you're letting them, helping them let go for flow, Yeah, so that we can live today as if the baby is already here. Enjoy the moment, live the life. But how do you get in and help them with the things underneath, the trauma, the beliefs, the things, as you said, that are taking up space, that are preventing them from having that flow. They can only consciously let go of the straw as much as they know how to let go of the straw. Right? So then Mm -hmm. underneath, there's all these other things. How do you do that? And at what point during the journey do you do that? Because her goal is to get pregnant. Another practitioner goal might be, I want my cholesterol down, or I want my Hashimoto's gone, like today. Where do you fit that into
1: your whole treatment plan? Oh, I don't have a direct, like straight up answer for you. It's each and every person is so different that sometimes it's just, it's intuitive, like per case that I will get like a intuitive feeling.
0: I call it a download. Yeah.
1: I'll get a download. I can give you an example. And it's the information that the patient provides for me. In that
0: intake form
1: where you're like going for the jugular on your intake form. I try to know as much about this human being as possible, all about their lifestyle, what they're eating, how they're spending their time, like a puzzle, like putting all the dots together to create a picture of what could be contributing to their interference with conception.
0: And before we started, you used a term that I really love before we started, hit the record button. And you talked about, you do a forensic analysis. I look at a case through a forensic lens. Like describe it now through that, using that language. Well, if we can stay on the morbidity
1: track, (laughs) I am basically doing like an autopsy
0: Uh on
1: their whole journey. Like I nitpick every little thing from if they're like absorbing nutrients or if how they're spending their time. Like I had a patient once who had a lot of anger around her cycle and her cycle was very irregular and I couldn't make rhyme or reason like what was going on with her. And I figured out that she was a night owl. She wasn't going into bed until two or three in the morning and her pituitary wasn't getting enough light. She had five years she'd been trying to conceive. And now with her, it wasn't so much like of an emotional, like it was a real deep underpinning, but it was a lifestyle thing. Yeah. it, It took me a while to figure out that this is the root of, I think your conception difficulty because your cycle is all over the place because you're not going to bed until three in the morning. Correct. So I had to work with her to cut her bedtime back to get her into a healthier routine. And within six months, she was pregnant.
0: is that just but- amazing? But you would not have known that had you not asked a deeper question. And I would venture to say that most practitioners on their intake form would not ask, you know, are you a night owl or a morning owl? You know, when do you go to bed? We might ask like, how's your quality of sleep yeah. or how many hours of sleep that you do you get at night? We probably don't ask like, what time do you go to bed? So well, it took, I do. You do, but I'm just I, saying in general, yes, we do yes. not dig deep yeah. into that. We just ask a few superficial questions and then move on. So I, I love this thought about asking questions that allow you to do a living autopsy of the patient, to be able to get to what could be the emotional underpinnings underneath. I'm thinking of a patient that I had one time that had what she thought was elevated cholesterol. And it was right about 220, which, you know, for a female, almost totally good with that. But everybody in her family had been telling her that that's too high and you're going to die because her dad died of heart disease, like heart disease, not arterial disease, heart disease when he was, I don't know, in his fifties or something. So her whole life, she had been told that, you know, your cholesterol is too high and this is bad. And, you know, you don't want to die like dad died. And she had all this emotional trauma underneath it. And I will never forget the day that I kept like, you know, I try and talk to her, talk to her, like I'm trying to reason. I'm trying to use the logic and reason, like just because that happened doesn't mean it has to happen for you. You have a different diet, you have different blood, And it was finally when I realized the level of emotional trauma and emotional attachment to the story that then we were able to do some tapping, some EFT, we were doing in tapping. And then that cleared that right up. And after that, then she was like, oh, my cholesterol is great at 220. I'm thinking we've been talking about this for months, but it wasn't until we got to that underlying emotional piece. So I love thinking about this, like a living forensic autopsy of what's yeah. happening underneath the physical, tangible, you know, pills, you know, the things that we know about. Yes. So good.
1: I mean, it's so unique. Like I had another patient who had been trying, I think for 14 cycles and it was around the pandemic time she had a parent living with her. She was working at home. This was secondary fertility challenge. And I said, where's the room for this second child? And she said, well, we'll figure it out when it happens. And I was like, no, no, there's no space. <laughs> so just helping her put her mind on allocating space. I know this sounds crazy, but just helping her strategize, you know, getting the child into like a kinder art or like allocating more space for her. She was pregnant the next cycle, just like that. Um, But I mean, I have numerous stories of that kind of thing. So it's just really getting to know, you know, the patient with like, with the skill sets that I have and then working with them from there. I know that that's, not a great, No,
0: but I I love that example It's so good because what you were doing, as we mentioned before, is you were dealing with the thought process, the mindset, the belief around, Oh, well, baby will just come in whenever it'll just fit in wherever it fits in. But you say, no, you need to mentally have a place for baby to live. Where is baby going to live in your house? What does the physical place look like? How is your life arranged to be able to allow for the baby? And that just goes to show you the power of the mind and the things that we think and believe in the way that the body expresses itself. So how much disease, and I use air quotes around that, how much disease or dis-ease is happening merely because of these, I don't want to call them broken beliefs because they just are beliefs. But these beliefs or mindsets or the way that we've orchestrated our lives to think about food, like I'm just only going to eat once a day and I don't even really care about what I eat. I'm just going to eat once a day and then I'll lose weight. Like women will think that I'm just going to cut my calories down to 500 calories a day and then I'll lose weight and they don't, they gain weight. So it's just the belief thing. And that's what I think is so unique about what you do is that you are not just looking at the. Act of infertility itself, as in the HPO axis or working with men with HPT, right? You're not doing just that. That's like secondary for you, I would imagine. Yeah. You're so going we, for the jugular first.
1: Well, for the most part, I mean, women, that's their birthright to procreate.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's so, really yeah.
1: why women are created was to carry on the human race. So it's yeah. a woman's birthright to, if she chooses, you know, if granted, I know there are, you know, blessed the ones that are compromised or that you know, just got a lousy anatomical deck. Right. To them. But right. Largely the majority. It's your right to
0: procreate. So let's figure out like what's getting in the way. What role does the husband or spouse or partner play? Oh, uh, well, big part. Cause he's, you know, correct on the emotional side, the physical part, but I mean the sperm, the egg, the fertility, the fertilization, but On an emotional level, how do you counsel and work with the husbands? I don't do a lot
1: of work with the husbands. I mean, I have a lot of compassion for them because for the majority, most men really don't know what to do with an emotional woman because their first line of help is to provide a solution, which is not helpful. So I more encourage the female. The female is going to help the male if she takes the pressure off of him or is just is more in her feminine. Because when a woman is in her feminine, then it allows the male to be in his masculine. Because I have found like in this practice of me focusing on this for almost 10 years, that the ladies are, you know, informing their partner, their husband when it's time or I'm in the window. And I feel this is not
0: good. This is a big thing for me. I want to hear about this. I think I know where you're going, but I want to hear about this.
1: Yes. So- in my opinion, but the male species, the species of male, they are not primally primal, animalistic primal, designed or wired to be having programmed, planned sex for a practical, purposeful, or productive outcome.
0: In other words, on a specific day, at a specific time, and a specific number of things because it's your fertility window. Correct
1: yes, that in my opinion, completely interferes with mother nature or the, you know, organic combustion of things. Yeah. Women know, I mean, if they're in tune with their bodies, Mm -hmm. they know when they're by physical changes. Libido goes up naturally at fertility window. It's just what happens. So, and this is where like with the flow, we want this month to flow, like hyper-focusing on this week creates like almost a wrinkle or a blip or a, We want this the week to flow. So I encourage my women to get focus on their femininity, focus on their sensuality, focus on what makes them feel good. And it It, will just literally, it's so true. And all the women that have, you know, worked with me, I say, you know, blame it on me. Tell your spouse that Meredith told you to go buy yourself a new dress or buy yourself new shoes or get your nails done or get your hair done because you're really embracing your femininity and your wardrobe. Some very beautiful lingerie that just speaks to you.
0: Yes. Anything Thanks. you're yes. breaking
1: in your heels, cooking dinner in your underwear, yeah, there you go. <laughs> something, something, <laughs> like have fun with it. Like, I just see so much like pain and angst, and I mean, I was there, like i I didn't have a me back then. So encouraging this female to just embrace her femininity, her womanhood, what makes her special, what makes her feel beautiful. What makes her feel attracted to her
0: is going to naturally attract the male, so then it is his idea. Right. To and procreate. What- and then the woman's body is then so much more open. Correct. The energy that is in the woman's body is that energy of, I have more than enough room. I'm embracing myself. It's not an inward. And for those of you that are just listening, you can't see my body motions, but I'm like, literally like I'm showing like when we embrace that femininity, it's like arms are out, chest is open wide, and I'm available, not in a sexual perversy kind of way, but like my body, my womb, my emotion, my femininity, very open. I love this thought that when we go into this, I need to have a baby. I need to have a baby. I just need to get pregnant. Okay, honey, you need to be home by four o'clock. Cause I did my test and I'm ready, baby. Let's go. My AMH is up or whatever. My I'm fine. Then he comes in and it's like, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. And the energy then becomes very constricted, tight and closed. Mm-hmm. and babies don't come in environments in our bodies when it's tight restricted closed and there's stress around it so mm-hmm. the procreation even to the point of having an orgasm during sex increases that chance of fertility because of those hormones that it releases so oh this is just so good
1: it is and that's one of the biggest things when i you know work with my women because i have lots of forms here and they all say yes because i ask do you tell your partner when you're in your fertile I'm like, yes. I'm like, no,
0: no, no don't do that. Yeah. No, no.
1: <laughs> Just be you, be your beautiful, beautiful feminine Your self. beautiful feminine. And it takes the pressure off to of him. And then yeah. he can be him. And then, cause over time, men can start feeling
0: like a sperm bank. It's almost a, I don't want to say a reverse form, but almost it's like a form of demasculinization. Yes, you know? it, mm-hmm. it, yes, it is. It
1: disempowers, I think it disempowers the sperm yeah. because they are now- Performing on command, which is against their primal design, right, right. right. So the was, magic happens. It's when... just so good, <laughs> so, so good. That's a lot of the counsel that I do is just helping them reclaim like who they are, what makes them special, what makes you shine, because their hyper focus has been just on baby, 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 or pregnant, 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 or the sticks, or I got to pee on this, or it's my basal body temperature, and it's oh, just. Yeah. Oh,
0: all of it. So the goal here is obviously to let off the straw, unpinch, open it up so that the flow can happen. Then you're digging into not only the relationship between the two of them as it has to do with sex and intimacy and femininity, but I'm literally going to take this and I'm going back to my forms. I'm going back to my forms. I just redid my all my intake forms. But now I'm going to go back and I'm going to add some deeper questions mm-hmm. in my forms to do this living autopsy. I can't wait. Gives you tremendous
1: insight into what's really the deeper layers. What's running the show? What's running the show? Because now we know. Well, when fear is running the show or anxiety is running the show, right? I did bring some props because you know, like this is oh, all yeah. the stuff
0: that happens. Yeah, like
1: yeah. elevated cortisol.
0: Yeah. Then it really starts affecting the physical. Mm-hmm. And now, and it's both. It's the emotional piece. It's mm-hmm. the mental piece. It's the physical piece. It's trauma. It's all of those things. And I think, you know, especially we see it with fertility because the fertility is such an emotionally charged conversation or subject, but I think it'd be true with any physical condition where there's something, a belief or something that's happening where there's been a long-term chronic illness. You know, I've been, Overweight forever, or I've been sick forever, I've been tired forever, or, you know, anything the person is in a state where they're believing that this is their reality. That's where we have to start kind of unwrapping and peeling back the layers. Well, Meredith, this conversation, oh my gosh, like oh. so, so good. So, how can people get in touch with you? Because I would love it. If you are a practitioner, and you're listening and you go, oh, fertility makes me want to poke my eyes out, then how can we get in touch with you to refer those people to you so that you can really work with them? Do you work with distance? Oh yes. I do actually do a lot of virtual. Okay, great. So where can we find you? My website is
1: deeper dive wellness. Uh, Um, Nice.com. Yep. And my email is Meredith at deeper dive com. Okay. And the same for my media handles. My Facebook is deeper dive wellness, as is my Instagram deeper dive. Okay, wellness.
0: great. So we can find you on social with all of those in great marketing, by the way, you want that consistency all the way across. Good job. Thank you. So thank you so much for You're spending. So welcome. Time. I have loved this. We could probably talk about this for a very long time. So this was so good. And I hope that for all of you listening, that this has been just incredibly insightful. And if nothing else, that you'll now move forward and think about doing a living autopsy on your patients by digging a little deeper to find out what really is going on beneath what you can just see on the skin on the outside mm-hmm. what can you see what's really happening on that mental emotional psychological you know trauma level beyond just the disease and the things we can measure so mm-hmm. thank you so much you're this so welcome great. thank so you for great. having me you're welcome All right, friends, that was awesome, was it not? She just really brought it home. I think the more I thought about this interview, because I actually recorded that a couple weeks ago, the more that I thought about recording these bumpers on this podcast, she just really inspired me. I think she inspired me to dig a little deeper and ask the questions that maybe deal with, you know, look at lifestyle a little bit more deeply, look at home, look at relationships, all that kind of stuff. And I get That it impacts fertility so much, but if it has that kind of impact, those, you know, our social relationships and mental, emotional things and, you know, other things that we may just kind of skip over, you know, we don't think about asking, but gosh, if it can affect a woman's body and a man's body in a way that impacts fertility, I would think that it would have that much of an impact on the other health challenges that somebody might be facing. So good reminder for all of us to be able to look a little deeper, check things out. So listen, if you're running a business, you own your own practice, I get it. And just as we kind of alluded to, it's challenging to run your own business and there's no shame If you don't know what you're doing, because none of us did in the beginning, right? We all had to learn it and we do learn it. So I would love it. If you are a business owner and you're tired of working so hard and not seeing the money in your bank account at the end of the month, you're overwhelmed. You feel disorganized. You don't know how to put systems together. You don't know what to do with your marketing. It just feels like the business kind of has you by the tail and you're just running as fast as you can and you're not making any progress. I've got you. I'd love to have you join me inside Clinical Business Academy. It's the place where clinicians come, just like you, just like me, to learn how to run, grow, and scale. A very profitable practice because as my friend, Darren Pryor, loves to say, we wanna help you keep more of your money, not give it away, not give it away in taxes, definitely not give it away to other people who don't deserve it. We wanna keep more of that money and get you paid for what you do. So all you have to do is go to RhondaNelson.com forward slash CBA, stands for Clinical Business Academy, and get on the wait list. We open in February. We are relaunching a brand new one, and it is amazing. If you've ever been with me in older versions, which we used to call Business Coaching Collaborative, or you just graduated from the newest one and you're ready to go at it again and dive a little deeper into your business the 2.0 version of Clinical Business Academy is amazing. There is so much good stuff in there. So I'd love to have you go to rondanelsoncom forward slash CBA and give me the opportunity to transform your business into a profitable machine that helps you serve well and live the life that you want to live. All right, friends, until next week, take care. See you then.